Hello, and welcome to the Kink Perspective. My name's Chris. I'm a psychotherapist and consultant. On this episode, I'm going to lead off again and finish up where I left off last week, where I was talking about the connections between BDSM and ritualistic rituals that we seem to practice. And we've seen these connections through time as we look at different religions and how they're, through their iconography, through their practices, how some of these beliefs are transcended and cross over into the secularism that is BDSM. So picking up where I left off from last week, if we look to the Old Testament, it seems to exemplify how the Christian and Jewish traditions treat or ought to treat the problem of pain. They typically look at it as a medical type of benefit to the soul or even something that's spiritual in nature. If we look at something like flagellation or other forms of degradation of the flesh, such as extended periods of kneeling, extreme fasting, and or uncomfortable clothing, has long been used in Christian iconography for the purposes of purification, punishment, or redemption qualities. We see these crossovers happen inside of BDSM, where a top or a dominant looking to alter behavior, modify, or challenge behavior will implore some of these techniques. It's not uncommon to put a submissive in the corner and have them kneel for an extended period of time. While some eventually become accustomed to it, the pain threshold is then raised. It's no longer just kneeling for 40 minutes. Now you're kneeling on rice. You're no longer just being whipped for your indiscretion. You may be ignored or not talked to. We need to understand as we move forward and we look at things such as the New Testament, flagellation was used as a means of driving out our internal spirits that seem to be plaguing a person's emotional or mental state. We may see this correlation in BDSM when a submissive is atoning for a wrong or a behavior modification given by the dominant, that punishment again, which is used to correct behavior or to change the mindset. It can be done over and over again, especially as you're looking to change that behavior that one has set out that expectation and the other needs to live up to. We see this in all sorts of forms of Christianity. If you are Catholic and you're giving your confession on a Sunday for your weeks and you're atoning for your weeks worth of sins and you'll be given five Hail Marys. Although we're just repeating this process, we are atoning for the behavior that we already know is wrong. But through this, we can find our forgiveness and move forward. Now, the fact that physical pain is so tightly connected with submission, especially in Western sadomasochism, it suggests an inherent understanding of that connection that's even central to something like yoga, for example that the body and the ego are inexorably intertwined and therefore to hurt the body is to challenge oneself for beneficial reasons. We look at the practices of these Eastern yogis who have learned to master their bodies from lifetimes uh, spent doing these rituals. Hot yoga has become a thing where they're submitting their bodies to extreme temperatures in order to purify or cleanse themselves. 
we look at something else more in North America, where different versions of Native American rituals have been studied by anthropologists. In one ritual, young men are suspended from hooks that are pierced through the flesh. The ritual is an initiation and a sacrificial performance. The sacrifice for, of pain and flesh is for the growth of the self and for good of the others and the purification of one's own community and for the improvement of the world. By releasing that pain of your internal or held sin, you are making the world a better place or your community a better place because you're living no longer without that sin. Now, it's interesting to note that the body modification and hook suspension, a specific subculture that has a strong overlapping in the BDSM community, is becoming quite popular among young people in most modern Western cultures. There's still a driving need among many adolescents to prove their confidence, their competence, and courage to not only themselves, their family, their communities, but they figure if they can endure some sort of external pain, this can kind of prove their self-worth to their community. This is one way that use with non-spiritual, inside of non-spiritual societies, seem to be compensating for the lack of that life passage initiation rites that would be the transition for them into adulthood that's increasingly lacking in Western culture. And we're obviously seeing this more and more as societies moving away from the nuclear family or even demonizing the nuclear family. The families that used to go uh, religiously to church services on Sundays and to atone for their sins and to hold secular beliefs, to hold up the matriarch, to hold up the patriarch of the family. This is no longer the same thing in these Western cultures. It's almost being seen as counterproductive. There are those that believe that true spirituality needs to be holistic, a spirituality of the body as well as the soul. BDSM works in this context and definitely thrives in this area as it's embodied and a lived religion. BDSM scenes work as a ritual, not just comparatively, but some practitioners intentionally structure their practice as a religious path. BDSM works as a spiritual expression because it taps into the three of the most primal human forces that we experience on a daily basis basis and that are common to everyone around the world pain power and more often than not sex there is a similarity between religious ecstasy and sexual orgasm pain unmakes the harsh world and with its physical attachments and leads one away from the body to experience self-transcendence through the experiences of pain, pleasure, ecstasy, orgasm, and more. We understand that some use of pain to achieve an altered state via the brain chemistry in which one can connect with something beyond themselves. Two, pain can create energy for the top to work with. So if the dominant knows you're starting to rise. We are now building and feeding off of that to move forward. Three, pain can bring people back in touch with themselves, their body, and their sensations. We also understand, for example, fourth, that pain as a sacrifice 
that you're sacrificing yourself to your dominant through that act of pain. Five, we look at pain as a strength ordeal to build courage and self-worth by enduring agonizing things that we know it's kind of like crawling a mile through shit in order to come out clean on the other side. Finally, we understand pain as an emotional catharsis in order to tap into deep negative feelings and expunge them. We're starting to understand this relevance when we talk about BDSM as a therapy. That doesn't necessarily mean that BDSM can replace or has become a therapeutic model. Far from it. However, it becomes a way to tap into things in a safe environment. We can also analyze BDSM scenes, understanding the characteristic features of a ritual. For example, the ritual as a drama. For ritual as a drama, when someone acts ritualistically, they use a prepared oral notes or a written script that detail how one will respond, maybe act, gesture, or even place themselves. And they'll play roles of characters required by their scripts like we do in role-playing or acting. Ritual really is like role-play. And during these rituals, people pretend to be these characters for that type of play. Momentarily, they suspend all belief that govern the non-ritual behavior. Doing this over and over again tends to reinforce and make real the beliefs that correspond to them, whether these invoke a unique character and or an idealized moment in time that would reflect something akin to an enlightenment. Some researchers believe that there are two main themes that individuals may choose to instill meaning into their BDSM scenes, including the administration of pain in order to achieve a transcendent or altered state of consciousness. So we see sometimes we will practice something extreme to pull something out deep within that we never literally thought was there in the first place. It also becomes an effort towards further self-awareness vis-a-vis the forming and enacting of sexual scripts. Sexual scripts become the method for achieving an altered state of consciousness to bring about a heightened awareness of the self and the sexual self. So we are in touch with ourselves, what arouses us, what gets us going, how we respond, how we breathe, how we feel. The process of verbal formation and ensuing enacting of sexual scripts is also a means for accessing one's own subspace. We understand that subspace becomes that altered state of consciousness experienced by some submissives, but not by all. And by encouraging a heightened awareness of the self, we allow access to spaces within, either mentally, emotionally, emotionally, or cognitively, that we are unable to access beforehand. Another characteristic feature of ritual is the ritual as a medium of communication. It states that when people engage in ritual acts, they're communicating with each other and with themselves in an expressive, sexual, and open manner. They communicate feelings, beliefs, recognition, codes for conduct, philosophies. They talk about things they are willing to negotiate for, things that they're not willing, limitations, and other things about themselves. 
Achieving altered states of consciousness is a major goal for both the mystic experience as well as BDSM. As we've seen, the very acts that bring pain in BDSM scenes facilitate changes in states of consciousness. We recognize that bondage, flogging, whipping, fisting, orgasm control or denial, total power exchange, fucking, electroplay, and the like all have the potential of altering our brainwave patterns. Altered states have been used for years by therapists, shamans, priests, mystics, doctors to help people overcome feelings such as fear, anxiety, shyness, or social conditioning. Altered states also allows participants to reprogram their identity, their assumptions, their habits, and even work through past trauma. Power exchange also works to bring people into different states of perception and transference. Having the opportunity to step outside of ourself allows the individual to gain control of their experiences by not having their experiences control them. Rather, think of it this way. You set the pace, you set the ritual, you set the expectation, you set the rules, the guidelines, and so on. Pain can be seen as a gift from our endowed creator who gave us this flesh, or from a destroyer perspective, the one who teaches you your limits and inflicts punishment. Kink is simply the one lens we are, we are all exploring it through, part of the set of tools in our lives that we can add to or subtract from. As we move towards a more secular society, and the old major religions will experience a rise and more than likely decline in popularity. People come up with new ways to meet their spiritual needs, regardless of the symbols, iconography, structure, and language that is used. The needs and drives of human beings that drove us to create and practice religion in the first place are still prevalent today. BDSM can be analyzed as a secular religion all by itself. By looking at BDSM, as a ritual within itself. By comparing traditional religious ways of hurting and analyzing the psychology of pain and power, especially for many BDSM practitioners that return to this church and pray on that altar on a daily or weekly basis. Until next time, be safe and stay kinky.